Andres Segovia Show. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the program. I am Andres, broker servicing Los Angeles and Orange County here in Southern California. For those of you that are new to the program, and there's quite a few of you, particularly across the platforms, let me first say thank you for subscribing slash follow wherever it is that you might be watching this program. And secondly, let me briefly introduce myself to all of you. I mentioned at the onset that I am a broker, but I also come from the world of construction and property management because I've been an investor in Los Angeles primarily and Orange County for, I would say, 20 years now. So I have a leg on two different industries, construction and real estate, that work very closely in hand. They depend on one another to operate. And I give you that background because that's the world that I come from, especially being born and raised in Los Angeles, to give you, I guess, the my perspective, my feedback about what's been going on with Los Angeles and, of course, the state on the ground, how to address both the homelessness and the housing affordability crises, because those both are crises, and some say they're intertwined. Maybe, maybe not, but whatever it is, they need to be addressed, and I will give you a rundown of some of the proposals that I'm suggesting towards the latter end of this episode, but I have to basically sort of pick up and wrap up where I left off in the previous episode. So you have not yet seen my episode titled The Los Angeles Homelessness Crisis. I recommend you go check it out because that's kind of like a prelude prologue to this one right here. That one, I was basically showing you on the ground what's been happening as of December 2019, uh, courtesy of Reason TV, which uh, they should be tagged in the description down below. They were definitely in the previous episode. Uh, With respects to where I was leaving off in the previous episode was basically where things were in Los Angeles as of December 2019. We're now midway through 2021, and that's on purpose because I wanted to basically set up the groundwork to show you that no matter what is being said by politicians now or will try to use as an excuse, 2020 did not contribute to or is not responsible for what is happening with our homelessness and affordability crises. Okay, That's why I gave you the prelude. You need to understand what is going on, and it is the fault of policies. It is the responsibility of these politicians that their solutions are not working. And their ideas are to continue throwing more money at the programs that keep failing. One of the, one of those such programs that I referenced was Proposition HHH. And that was in the previous episode talking about that. So let me give you a rundown. Look, this time I got a bunch of printouts everywhere because, my goodness, there's just so much to all of this. And I guess there's a spoiler alert here. This episode might be a bit of a downer. And also, I might get very passionate about this because, believe me, I tried approaching this every which way. I... I tried my best. This is probably one of the most prepped episodes I ever done. And I know I'm not going to cover everything that I wanted to cover. And I know I'm going to miss something. And I know I'm going to be having a nightmare in post-production trying to like, oh, I should have said this or I should have said that. Come what may, I'm just going to give you the straight scoop. I got my notes. And come what may, this is what I'm going to present. And if I miss something, I'll try to cover it in some other episode. But every single resource, even the ones I will not reference that I have in my repertoire here, 
will be available at www.dangerousagovia.com. Look for this episode. The show notes have every single link, every single reference, news articles, government sites, statistics. Everything is linked there. And I even embedded episodes for reference because I might lift some clips from some of those episodes, but I'm not lifting everything. There's a lot more research that you can do on your own time, but I curated a lot of that for you at the show notes. Now, having said that, let me pick up where I left off in the previous episode with respects to Proposition HHH. First off, what is it? Proposition HHH was basically uh, this this program that was proposed for Angelinos to vote on, and they, over 70% said, yes, let's fund this thing so we can house our homeless. The intention was to create supportive housing in about 10,000 housing that will be available for our homeless and at risk of homelessness. That was the intent. The devil was in the details. Not exactly true. It's more like 7,000, but whatever. In the previous episode, the Los Angeles homelessness crisis, it talks about that because it asks, where are we with the program? As of December 2019, for three and a half years, yeah, yeah, give or take three years, since the passage of Proposition HHH, Los Angeles had a total of zero available units through that Proposition HHH. And Mayor King Garcetti, his intent was, with this program, to have 10,000 units built in 10 years. I don't know what it is about this arbitrary 10 years. Forget those, those goals, okay? Let's get down and audit what is happening right now. As of December 2019, there were a total of zero prepared for occupancy units According to the Proposition HHH program, which from the LAMayor.org website, I think it's the uh, .org, the intention was for the city of Los Angeles to aggressively pursue the development of supportive housing for homeless individuals and those that ask for homelessness throughout the city. The proposition was approved by voters in 2016 to facilitate the project and program proposals using both traditional and innovative financing and construction techniques. Uh-huh, yeah, The city has released three funding and or city-owned property proposal opportunities seeking the best design and development ideas from the community. First was a request for proposals for an innovative design projects on a city-owned parcel using HHH funding. Second was the regular 2018 and 2019 round three HHH call for projects. In other words, developers come over and see what we can do. And lastly was the HHH housing innovative challenge request for proposals. In other words, hey, how many of you would like to contribute to a a good goal and be rewarded for that? That was basically it. Now, there's other stuff in here, uh, and I'm basically cycling through this, but that was the intent. The first... I told you, I got a bunch of stuff here. Some of this deemed digital because I couldn't print them all out. It took three years of blown deadlines, but LA opens its first homelessness housing project. Los Angeles Times article dated January 7th, 2020. This was a wooden frame rising at 88th and Vermont. And that wood, wooden frame for three years was like, one day homeless will be able to live here. One day, someday. And it took three years bureaucratic nonsense la says we got the money let's go ahead 
Let's incentivize these developers. Come on over, bid for these projects. We're we're paying for these projects. Get it done. They say, yes, great. So then they go to the other department within the city. So they say, here are the plans that, w- that the city wanted so we can get these developments for our, our homeless uh, going. Okay, great. So the city, Los Angeles, looks at it and says, no, this is not good enough. Go back to the drawing board. I'm sorry, what? What do you think all that happened? Initially, when these projects were getting off the ground, they were bidded around. This is ridiculous, by the way. Uh, I would say on average, $300,000 per unit built. We're talking about apartment units, folks. Apartment units. I come from the world of residential construction. I know how much you can do with $300,000. This is ridiculous. Per unit. When this Koreatown project was done, well, this one's in Koreatown. This is 80th in Vermont. The Koreatown project is a different one. Um, what was it? The development is the first to open up about 20 projects under construction. So this one was not the Koreatown one. The Koreatown one went when all was said and done because by then there were about three developments um, after January 7th, uh, three developments that had opened up. But get this. What was originally uh, estimated to be $300,000 per apartment unit ballooned to $550,000 per unit. Same building, same building, but the bureaucratic process slowed everything down. Now, the Koreatown one is a a great point. I think it's in here in this article, but again, I'm using my phone. I don't want to get all into it. $700,000 per unit. This is utter nonsense. Why do we need to spend absolutely so much to construct these things? I'm not going to get into all the background of it because I touched on it in the previous episode and it was touched upon by those that were interviewed of the the ones that run the homeless shelters and deal with the homeless in the previous episode, Los Angeles Homelessness Crisis. That's why I say check that one out first so I don't have to repeat myself on everything because I don't know how long this episode might be. But it's to tell you that there were faster solutions that could get a roof over a homeless person's head within 48 hours. The city didn't want to fund that. Instead, they wanted this one. Why? Well, because, you know, we got to have these modern open design aesthetics. We need to have granite tops with stainless steel appliances. Excuse me? It's like, okay, so it took at least three years to get the first one open. And if you go to the LA Mayor's website where you can track the progress of the prop- uh, uh, Proposition HHH uh, Supportive Housing Development, You'll see there's three different pipelines, two of them which are in respect to supportive housing, which total up to 7,000 proposed units. The other 3,000 are from non-supportive funding, but that's not even HHH funds. No, it's not, but they lumped it in to try to add up the 10,000 units that Garcetti was proposing to get done within 10 years. The fact that everything was moving so slow, the LA controller had to do an audit of the Proposition HHH stuff. And this comes from The Real Deal, dated uh, September 10th, 2020. September 10th, 2020, folks. The Los Angeles $1.2 billion bond that was meant to tackle homelessness was done has done very little to address the growing problems. That's the bleak assessment of city controller Ron Galperin, whose audit released Wednesday, this was as of September 10th, 2020, found that just three housing projects, 228 total units, have been completed in the four years since Proposition HHH passed with the overwhelming support of voters. 228? And you still got 9,700 to go at the rate of four years for 225 units, say. How long is that going to take? 
an utter ridiculous amount of time. Look, the road to hell's paper with good intentions. I'm going to keep repeating that in every episode that I can when I re- reference this because these felt policies have done nothing to help our homeless. The ones that actually tried helping are private groups or individuals that try to do something. This one actually I came across before I even started filming. A musician named Elvis uh, Summers, I think it is. Let me pull it up real quick. Elvis Summers. He crowdfunded $100,000 to build dozens of tiny homes. This was around the time that Proposition HHH wanted to be passed by the by the voters before the election. This was um, to, uh, around fall 2016, and he got it done. And then, without warning, the city ended up picking up every single one of these tiny homes. Most of Summers' tiny houses were placed on private land that's been donated to the project, such as a parking lot outside a convenience store and a church in Compton. A handful replaced the tents that have proliferated on freeway overpasses. They're not right in front of a business. They're not in, in you know, in front of somebody's house. And the, the sidewalks are extra wide. So, you know, it seemed, as far as public places, the safest, best place to be until I could get land and then take them and put them on, on property, building a small community. But L.A. viewed the houses as a nuisance. In February, the city council amended a sweeps ordinance to allow the tiny houses to be seized without prior notice. On the morning of the 9th, police and garbage trucks descended, towing three of the houses to a Bureau of Sanitation lot for disposal. My phone just blows up by everybody on on, uh, 42nd Street, just freaking out. Like, they're throwing us out of the houses. They're telling us they're taking them. Like, what do we do? I mean, they wouldn't let them get their clothes or their medications. They threw them out, left them on the sidewalk. I pleaded with them. I was like, okay, well, look, they have wheel locks on them. Let me unlock the wheels at least, you know, so you don't break them. No, they refused. They just wanted to take them and destroy them. Summers managed to move eight of the threatened houses into storage before they were confiscated, but their residents had nowhere to go. I had to evict two veterans who paid their ticket. They shouldn't be homeless, period. Just, you know, I get angry. They did their service. They gave up their dreams so the rest of us can be out here and be a bunch of assholes. You know, there needs to be some respect. And I'm leaving a link to that video description down below so you can see for yourself what transpired then so they could get proposition hhh passed and uh, for those of you watching uh or go to the show notes you'll be able to just find the video embedded there so you don't have to do anything else well this is all to say that proposition hhh has been a colossal failure and you would think that well garcetti would have uh learned that lesson but in 2021 uh what do we have now Garcetti's proposed budget includes funding for 5,600 HHH units for homelessness. And this is in respects to voters in November 2016, proposition HHH, 1.2 billion, more than triple in Los Angeles, yada, yada, yada. On April 20th of this year, 2021, he's allocating $362 million in in proposition HHH funding to construct 89 supportive housing units with more than 5,600 units for people experiencing homelessness. Uh, it's somewhere in here, but this was included in the budget. So in other words, they're pumping more money into this thing. And they hired a concierge that was hired with the $1.5 billion bond that was supposed or $1.5 million bond with uh, private funds, they say. I don't know who provided the private funds for this. But in other words, they hired outside bureaucracy to manage the bureaucratic process that's been the problem in the first place for stonewalling this whole thing. Again, as of September 10th, 2020, only 228 units were built out of the 10,000 proposed within 10 years. Now we're five and a half years into this thing. Well, about five years, uh, give or take. And is it throw more money at it. You go to the website. I'll probably show a screenshot here. 
you see three pipelines. Look at all these that are that are available. No, not available. They're in pre-development, the majority of them, because duh. And most of and most of them that are in development are scheduled to hopefully open by next year or 2023 or 2024. We have more units that are available for occupancy as of this recording. But we're talking about in terms of dozens of units? This from Curve Los Angeles, dated June 12th. 2020, Los Angeles homelessness population grew by 13% since last year's count and is likely already worse. I'm not going to read into it because I have stats here that I'm going to get at. This one from February 2nd, 2021, homelessness deaths in the in Los Angeles residents rise more than 30% in 2020. Now, some of you might think, well, of course, Andres, don't you understand that we have a pandemic? Because of the pandemic... We had the judicial, um, the judicial council. No one's ever heard of them, but they're supposed to be like a council of the Supreme Court of the uh, of California. Passed their first emergency order installing an eviction moratorium that was more strict than whatever local areas had. And in the case of Los Angeles, they had the most strict uh, eviction moratorium. We had both the rent freeze and an eviction moratorium. That means no one should have been out on the streets because there were no evictions being done. Secondly, there was a rent freeze, which is why property owners were the ones left holding the bag and to this day have not seen any relief come from the state of California for their made or their responsibility in helping out those that say, you're not going to collect the rent, but you're not going to turn off the lights for the utilities you pay. You have to make sure you pay those things and you pay your taxes on time and you pay your mortgage unless you do forbearance, which in that case, you'll still probably lose your property, which is probably happening right now. They did all that and did not give anything of recourse or support to property owners. And now because uh, Governor Gavin Newsom is facing the recall, he's like, oh yeah, um, we're going to use from the budget uh, this much money to uh, pay 100% of the rent owed. Yeah, but in some of those cases, which we don't really have all the details of the program yet, you need the cooperation of the tenants, who in most cases have already left, and the only way to collect back those funds is to take it to small claims court, which depending on what region you are, the court is probably not even open. Homelessness rates. This is from the Greater Los Angeles Homelessness Count. This is public information. Unless they fudge the numbers and change them. And I'm tr- making sure that I have them in order. Yes, I do. From 20, uh, 2017, oh, 2018, the popula- uh, homelessness population, 31,285 combined, all persons. That was an increase, by the way. That was an increase, well, actually a decrease of 6% from 2017 to 2018. Good, some kind of progress. But from 20. 2018 to 2019, we had a 14% increase in homelessness. We had a total of 35,550. The latest figures available. From 2019 to 2020, we saw an increase of 16%. All persons, 41,290. And in terms of all this, we had at least an average of 1,000 homeless deaths at the minimum annually. As of last year, I think one of these articles said it too. At least 1,300 residents, homeless residents of Los Angeles alone have died. We shut down an entire country for less than that. I thought this was a crisis, Los Angeles. So Garcetti, your mission to spend the money is for who? 
When we have a population of at least 41,000 people out on the streets and your intent is to eradicate homelessness, which is growing at a rate of 15% year over year and God knows what number is going to be this year. If it's going up that much every single year and your goal is to have 10,000 units built in 10 years and only maybe 1,000 at most, at most, I'm being generous here, have been done in five years, it's for who to enjoy? For who? The ones that actually have done something about it were shut down. Like the musician, Elvis Summers. But there's others that are trying to do something about this. Such as uh, SDS, uh, some kind of fund. I'm not familiar with them. But they are proposing, and I'm going to do a, a screenshot of this. So you can see it too. They had a 40-unit South Los Angeles supportive housing project made out of shipping containers. But it won't look like it. And this article is from, interesting, where is the, oh, dailynews.com. So again, all these links are available on the show notes. This was updated May 7, 2017. I mean, May 7, 2021. Uh, and this article was on to explain these 40 units can be built, uh, raised and built within months because they're expecting to have this done by November, give or take, uh, not having any delays. So... This is from SDS Capital Group's Supportive Housing Fund. Now, this Supportive Housing Fund uh, is described like this. The project that they're building is called the Dolores Huertas Apartments Project, being built on a city-owned lot at 5215 South Figueroa Street. I know exactly where that is. Uh, valued at about $1.1 million. Minus the land, the property project is being fully funded through $7 million in private sector money from this uh, capital's housing fund. See, now, this is where... They're getting something done, 40 units, available within months. Now, I'm not familiar with this group, but what they're intending to do here is great. But the same question that I have with respect to Proposition HHH and the same question I have here, why would, unless they're doing it from the goodness of their hearts, why would private funds of $7 million at least be invested to build houses for homeless unless they're trying to write it off in taxes because they're, you know, they're being charitable out of their good heart? One of the things that's not addressed in this proposition HHH, and you have to read the fine print, this is all towards just developing. Some of these developments are supposed to continue the management of the building. The residential services that are in there, whether it's job training or psychiatric treatment for whoever might need it, depending on uh, you know the ailments or the sufferings that somebody's homelessness come in um, dealing with, or the drug addiction and stuff like that, to rehab them so they can get back into uh, society. Who's funding all of that? That's the only question I have about this. Are they building this out of the goodness of their heart? I'm not judging here. Not judging. Or is it because the city is going to be paying for the services that will be in perpetuity? Because this is supposed to be permanent supportive housing. In other words, not for those that are uh, not homeless or at risk of homelessness. Maybe Section 8. I don't know. We don't have all those details. And if they are, it's all confusing. But the point is... The private sector gets it done. Meanwhile, you have the California Association of Realtors, and they I will name drop in again later, uh, pushing, and they were happy that Gavin Newsom recently, like he actually did it, uh, streamlined the development of some of these projects. And let me make sure I have it here. 
and I do have it. Nope. <laughs> that's some that's a homeless man assaulting Gavin Newsom. This was a KTLA five link for those of you that are interested. Someone attacked him. He was gonna go do a photo op and he was attacked by a pizza uh from this homelessness man that went up to, to him and, and struck him. Uh at least that's that's what I remember of. Ah, well look at that. It's not on, on these lists. Well, I had it, but the point is that Gavin Newsom was supposedly streamlined the development of housing units, which is with respect to the housing affordability crisis that I will get to. But first, let me finish addressing the homelessness issue. And look, I don't, again, I don't know how long this was going to be, so I'm intending to timestamp this. So for those of you on YouTube, you'll be able to enjoy the timestamps for the most part. For everybody else, I'll still leave a, um, you see like a, a chapter summary of where things are. So I address Proposition HHH, touch on the homelessness crisis. So let me wrap up what's happening with the homelessness crisis because this is getting absolutely bonkers um, with respects to what's happening in Venice Beach, uh, California. A lot of you might have heard about this. It's a world-famous beach, and it's in absolute chaos. The thumbnail for this video are all pictures of the encampments, the, the chaos, the fires that are happening on Venice Beach. And the police are not able to do anything about it. But why aren't they able to do anything about it? Well, some of you might actually think it would be the defending the police thing. No, that's only added to the problem. This goes back, actually. This is from February 8th, uh, February 6th, 2019 from the California Globe. Police cannot police in dysfunctional California. Let me get to this section here. The turning point in California's progressive assault on law enforcement was the passage of Proposition 47 uh, in November 2014. Basically, uh, this thing was, was mis the misleading title on this proposition was the Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act. <laughs> yeah, sure. Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act by defunding the police and not letting them arrest vagrants or people that were committing uh, small crimes out on the streets, putting people in danger. No. So ostensibly, I'm reading from the article now in a paragraph, to empty the jails of expensively housed nonviolent offenders, unintended consequences were felt immediately. Over four years later, the negative consequences of Proposition 47 continued to compound and intensify. Here are some of the impacts of Proposition 47. Free tens of thousands of felons from state prisons and county jails back into communities. Reduced to misdemeanors, the personal use or being under the influence of most illegal drugs, including heroin and methamphetamine. Reduced to misdemeanors, any crime where the value of property stolen doesn't exceed $950. This includes shoplifting, grand theft, receiving stolen property, forgery, and fraud. Does that sound familiar to some of you who might have seen a viral video of some dude masked up going into Walgreens and just taking up a bunch of stuff and the security was just recording the whole thing? That was in San Francisco. That's because of Proposition 47. You cannot remove the homeless that are breaking, vandalizing into small businesses in Los Angeles, Sacramento, San Francisco, whatever. Pick a city that to break into small businesses. They ransack the place, maybe steal some stuff, but they're mostly going in there you know, to you know, get high. The police can't do anything about it. Sometimes they're defecating, urinating in front of the storefront. Clients don't want to go into those stores. I touched on my uh, news roundup before I retired that because of the pandemic, where a hairdresser in Sacramento couldn't take it anymore. Sacramento couldn't take it anymore. And she moved out of the state because she lost all business. It's before the lockdowns, folks. The police can't police. Because, well, it's like, so, like an activist said in the previous video. They got nowhere to go. So it's inhumane for you to take him somewhere, like a jail. 
which is why what's happening in Venice Beach, one of the largest encampments of homeless in the city, not counting Skid Row, is going to be interesting since the Los Angeles County Sheriff, Villanueva, has set a goal that by January 4th, he will finish clearing that encampment out. Now I want to switch over to the housing affordability crisis. I want to be very uh, clear on this. I talked about it on my program since the onset, basically since I started or since I shifted to the Andres Segovia show from the Tech Corner. Um, I've always said the housing affordability crisis. And I talked about the lack of inventory to buy. But when you hear politicians say the housing affordability crisis, in their mind, they're combining the two that I just mentioned. They mean housing units to lower the price. But when they say housing units, they're not referring to properties that you can buy. They're talking about property you can rent. So it's talking about those luxury apartments, those lofts and whatever. Look, all this, because people ask, what is up with all these things being uh, these high rises or low rises with the first floor being commercial and the rest being residential um, apartments? What's up with all that? A lot of them being luxury um, um, lofts, selling, uh, renting for a premium. What's up with all that? Look, I'm not going to delve into this part. And maybe you can even Google it. Go to DuckDuckGo and check this out. It's called Agenda 21. Running a little dry there. Sorry, I need to drink some water. Um, well, as I was mentioning, Agenda 21, but whatever. The problem with that goal is that it doesn't address the affordability issue. Especially when there's a lot more about this that I didn't know. And I learned a lot more from California Insider. It's a a segment or a special segment from the, the Epic Times, which I strongly recommend. Uh, it's great. The past few months have been covering a lot of issues, mostly around L.A. County. There's uh, the councilman from Beverly Hills, who used to be the mayor there, I think three terms. Uh, he delved into this and gave some insight about this uh, building and developments of these types. So essentially, what you're telling me is that they're using the term affordability for making money is that the special interests are coming in and telling us we're going to build affordable housing and they're not really doing that for benefiting the people that need the housing right is that well, well they're not coming and saying hey we want you to do this so we can earn more money so that we can provide more dividends to our shareholders so that we can you know they're, no they're not saying that I, and i understand why it wouldn't be a good look if they said that they're not only by the way talking about affordability they're talking about homelessness they're trying to you know, say that because we haven't built enough housing, that's why people are homeless. And of course, to me, that's almost obscene. You, you, you've seen, I'm sure, pictures of, of homeless tent encampments uh, next to luxury buildings, some of which probably have, uh, you know, empty units. And, but they're not going to say that. They're, they're not going to, uh, you know, they're not going to say that we're in it because we want to earn money. But that's actually what it's about. And that's why this this moniker, Wimby, Wall Street in My Backyard, which was created by Zev Yaroslavsky and a journalist called Jill Stewart, is so powerful. They, they, they really are Wimbies. And so, uh, as said, I think you can disprove the notion that these policies themselves are going to create affordability. And I could go through with you policy by policy and explain to you and show you proof and show you you know, citations about why it's not going to create affordability, why upzoning alone 
will not create affordability. Actually, it will probably create, it will fuel speculation, it will create displacement, and it will not do anything to solve the homelessness crisis, which, uh, as said, the fact that they're even using homelessness to try to justify these policies is pretty much nothing short of obscene. I like that he highlighted that because it made me question a lot of things that I thought I knew about because I'm not in the world of commercial real estate. I'm in the world of residential real estate and construction. And understanding that, I'm like, well, yeah, okay, governor, uh, the governor is streamlining these buildings and then learning that the California Association of Realtors is really pushing the legislator to, uh, to adopt more policies, to build more of these things. But they've been going up everywhere and it hasn't solved the problem. And some say that because of the housing affordability issue, that's what's contributed to our homeless. Well, not entirely so. When you have these statistics, look, I don't know who's doing all the statistics or readings on the homeless. Oh, my goodness. I just had it here. But it's fascinating. At the very bottom, they have a breakdown of what they're on the streets for. Substance use disorder, HIV, AIDS, serious mental issues, development, uh, developmental disability, physical disability. Look, some of that stuff is more expensive than any rent anybody's ever going to see. And I already talked about how rent control has been installed in Los Angeles since the 70s. And it's only, and it has the highest rents in the country and also the, lar- the largest homeless population in the country. Wait, but I thought that was the solution. And they're the ones building the most. And yet we still have the highest rents possible. The housing affordability crisis is not going to go away overnight. And it's not going to be uh, dealt with by making the i guess the commercial construction lobby rich yes that's what i finally learned this whole wall street in my backyard thing as the councilman was uh, was uh, referring to and the california social realtors basically pushing for more of that and big tech even being behind a lot of this because publicly they have funded some of this stuff but with you know the pandemic and a lot of their employees working from home or now working from out of state however it might be whatever i don't know um they are funding it in some other way. And the, the if you're basically an insider into politics is telling you that that's exactly what they're doing. To what end, I wonder? And what good is it to a realtor if we can't sell apartments? It doesn't make sense and it's not our clientele. If there were condos, then it'd be something different because that goes to the consumer price index and whatever is calculated in terms of appraisals. Because we are, you're going to hear a lot about appraisals uh, in, in the coming days if you haven't done so already. And you're going to be hearing a lot of this from the federal level. So even if you're not in California, you're going to be dealing with it yourself. So what I'm getting at is that this is the California Association of Realtors pushing for all this. And I'm wondering whose side are you on here? The side of the people or the, or the side of big corporate interest? Because apparently uh, you don't really care for generational wealth, uh, California Association of Realtors. You want to start by fixing California? This is the Fix California stuff. Start by rescinding your pledge or donation to the recall campaign to defend Gavin Newsom. Start there and reallocate those funds to start putting a proposition in the works that will remove statewide rent control. The property owners have been the hardest hit in the state. Are you proud that Gavin Newsom is trying to spend $12 billion to fight homelessness? Where have I heard that number before? A tenth of that, $1.2 billion, was the purpose in HHH in Los Angeles. 
From 2006, an article from Daily News, April 6, 2006, $12 billion for Los Angeles homelessness? How many more billions of dollars are we going to spend? Does that mean this was approved? No, this thing went down in flames, but a variation of that was trying to be done. And like I said, Gavin Newsom, $12 billion to house California's homeless. And where are you going to put them in tiny homes? Look, private, the private sector has done a better job with tiny homes. Check this out. This here on Chandler Boulevard in North Hollywood is the very first tiny home community in the city of Los Angeles. The tiny homes are 64 square feet, relatively small, but in each tiny home, there are two beds, there are four windows, uh, there is an air conditioning, there's heating. For anybody that walks on the property here, one of the first things that you'll notice is the vibrancy of colors. Colors just breathe life and hope. We provide three meals a day. And there's a hygiene trailer, so they have showers, they have clothes, they have case management, housing navigation, they have mental health services, job training, job placement. It's a one-stop shop that helps somebody move from the streets to sustainability to permanent housing. But how long will that last? I don't know. Because we'll have to wait and see. People need to have their problems addressed. I cut this out of my previous episode, but I talked about it. There are some that have bought into the culture of being out on the streets. They don't want to be in a house. They don't want to be in a room. They like living out. In fact, uh, there was a, a case, and here's a clip from the Daily Wire. I put this on my IGTV, but this is a clip from the Daily Wire, which uh, there was some controversy regarding a veteran that was in the Venice um, boardwalk. Um, and he was taken to the VA in downtown Los Angeles on Wilshire Boulevard. And they have spent the night on the streets. Like, wait, the VA didn't help him. And he said, no, he didn't. Check this clip out. The group is upset over housing for an unhoused veteran with a medical condition named Robert. I want it to be your decision, Robert. On Tuesday, Robert accepted assistance from sheriff's deputies who drove him to the VA in West L.A., even making one deputy emotional. He reminds me of my dad, who was a veteran. Um, it breaks my heart to see him here on the street. But what happened once at the VA is causing controversy. Robert says he was left there and slept outside all night, ending up back on the beach the next day. Deputies say that's not true, and he was actually offered help, but didn't want it. My understanding now is that he was offered housing there at the veterans, uh, at the VA. He refused. Robert was telling me, you know, unless you have beachfront property, I'm not going to go. Many here just don't want the help. Robert, 76, has diabetes and arthritis. Has anybody offered you housing? Oh, yeah. And? It's unacceptable. To everyone listening to me, California Social Realtors, politicians, for any of you that actually care to address the housing affordability crisis, a solution that I never thought of, because again, I'm not in, I'm not in the condo world and I'm in the commercial world in that, uh, at that level. This is a segment from my interview with Natalie Stewart from FHA Review that made the absolute most sense that can be done immediately with respect to the housing affordability crisis. You've got the entire state of California talking about the affordable housing crisis, right? Like they, mm -hmm. we're, we're in the middle of a housing crisis. Nobody's talking about, and, and VA and FHA loans are the most affordable mortgages out there. 
yet instead of taking existing housing stock, meaning condominiums that aren't approved for these types of affordable loans to make the average person and the average, you know, be able to purchase these, we're creating all kinds of different programs to benefit investors, uh, increasing rentals, um, let lot dividing, let's split up all the single family lots into two units so then we can create and you know, give investors the opportunity to rent out one unit. Why don't we create, why don't we take these large condo associations, get them certified for FHA and VA loans to, for people to use affordable mortgages? No, the conversation is not there. It's not mm. important to anybody. The conversation isn't happening. It's, it's um, and it's a shame. And in terms of what we can do for homelessness, I brought it up again in the previous episode. A lot of stuff was talked about in the previous episode. But in the previous episode, I talked about the possibility of why not? Uh, why, why can't the city just buy up with those funds from Purpose and HHH, buy up the lapidated buildings and then have them renovated so they can house homeless through there instead of having to build these new buildings that have to conform to ever-changing building codes that will take forever uh, to get done. Uh, and I found out that uh, actually that was tried in a way because private property owners that own some of these buildings that are run down were trying to sell it to a private developer, uh, a commercial developer that was trying to uh, basically renovate it with properties and HHH funds, which was actually approved to be used in that way at the time. But attorneys um, sued on behalf of people that were housed in that building to say, no, you can't do that. And convince the LA City Council to amend the language of Proposition HHH should not allow that kind of building. Like, why? Because they said in order for the, the developer to renovate the building, that means they have to basically evict the people out of the building. And with nowhere else to go, this is going to contribute to more homelessness and the shelters are overwhelmed. So where are they going to go? reason that's uh, like some of you might say, well, why can't they just, you know, do it floor by floor and stuff like this? Well, it happens to do with EPA guidelines called the paint, uh, the PPP rule. Um, this thing, this is PPP, I'm thinking of the payment protection program, <laughs> no, the RRP, uh, repair, renovate and paint rule that was passed under the Bush administration that went into effect in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, April 2012. Um, this rule from the EPA requires if a, if a wall is going to that's a, a painted wall is going to be disturbed for more than six square inches. You have to basically evacuate um, the the premises, put a containment shield over it, use hemp vac these environmental um, uh, vacuums to basically contain this thing. As if you're dealing with the virus, the virus of unknown origins uh, that's currently causing the current worldwide pandemic. Similar to that, in order to deal with the painting of said building. And with a lot of the buildings before 1978, having been used lead-based paint and are for, for sure have asbestos in their ducting and other products in their pipes and all that, of course you can't have anybody habiting these things. The government getting in the way of the government to do something for the people. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, folks. You can't make it up. So there goes my idea. But at least Natalie Stewart's idea is still one that is viable. That's the world she works in and that I didn't know about. And I think that's a great solution that should at least be looked at. But in the meanwhile, hold the politicians accountable. Make sure Eric Garcetti does not serve another term. And as for what the heck is happening on the streets to not be able to police these things to protect private property and to protect businesses and all that, well, that's what Recall Gascon's all about. You want to know more about that? 
uh, let me know in the comment section down below and I'll try to get any information that I can. This is where I leave it with um, my discussions about Fixed California. It's a mess, really hard to do. Honestly, just rip the bandage off. That's the only way. But one thing's for sure. If you hear them say, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. There's a reason those are the scariest words in the English language. They're not here to help. They made the problem worse. And if you're seeing this part of the video, that means I clipped out a section where I went on a rant. And the only way for you to see that rant would be in the show notes of company's episode of www.dangerousgova.com. It's a message that I send to the California Association of Realtors because they are not serving the people they intend to serve. They're only serving and lining the pockets of special interest and giant corporations. That explains why I'm not wearing a pin on this one. I didn't, like, Doc Holliday says in Tombstone, my hypocrisy can only go so far. I, could, I just couldn't wear it. Not for this. Not when they're responsible for a lot of the crap that's going on with the affordability crisis and what happened with rent control, which in turn contributes to homelessness in a way. That's it. That's all I have for you on this episode. I know I brought you up to my face because Keith... Let's get serious on this. And I understand that reference. We can get along. Thank you so much for watching. However you're watching, wherever you're watching, remember to follow me across the socials. If you're interested in what I do for work and if you want, if you think you're ready to enter the world of real estate or if it's even worthwhile, it doesn't hurt to have a consultation. You can check out my stuff at www. I was going to say my other website, www.segoviares.com. And that's where you can go to check out my real estate resources. My information to contact me is there. And wait, we can schedule a talk. And hey, it's a free consultation. I'm not charging for that. And because I mentioned that, for those of you listening on the podcast, I got to mention that my uh, real estate license number is 019-09449. Yeah, it's it's a requirement by law that I got to mention that. Um, As for everyone else, all the resources that I laid out here, even the ones I couldn't find and I didn't even include in my conversation, are all available including extras that I wish you can digest if you have the time on the show notes. I come to this episode at www.theunderscovia.com. Thank you so much for joining me on this latest episode of the program. If you like this one, by all means, like, ultimately share it. That's the only way I can grow, but also because this word needs to get out there. People need to know. And subscribe if you haven't done so already. Or follow, however it is, wherever you're watching. But until next time, thank you so much. And I'll see you on the next one.